0: I was driving home last night and I knew the message I was going to preach and I just felt called, joy to sing that song. That song was for somebody here this morning. Probably for more than one person. I want you to know that God's anchor holds. No matter the storm that you're facing this day. God's anchor holds. Does not waver It is very, very stable. If you do not have an outline, I want you to raise your hand and make sure that uh, Steve gives you one. And for those that were here Wednesday night, thank you for bearing with me. I'm going to be sharing somewhat the same sermon or teaching that I started on this past Wednesday. So uh, here's some hands. I read the New King James Version a while ago from the book of Hebrews. But the writer puts it this way with the uh, writing in the message by Peterson. And it goes like this, and I love this. I, I, I can almost really drool over this scripture. It's so great. It's just wonderful reading from the message. So don't turn a deaf ear to those gracious words if those who ignored earthly warnings didn't get away with it what will happen to us if we turn our backs on heavenly warnings his voice that came that time shook the earth to its foundations now this is speaking of mount sinai when god spoke concerning giving of the commandments the ten commandments uh, to Moses and the children of Israel. And most of us know how that the earth it sh- itself shook and there was fire and smoke on the mountain. This time he's told us this quite plainly. He'll also rock the heavens. One last shaking from top to bottom, stern, stem to stern. The phrase one last shaking means a thorough, listen to this, house cleaning getting rid of all historical and religious junk so that the unshakable essentials stand clear and uncluttered. Do you like that? <laughs> it's just great. Verse 28. Do you see what we've got, an unshakable kingdom? And do you see how thankful we must be, not only thankful but brimming with worship, deeply reverent before God, For God is not an indifferent bystander. He's actively cleaning house, torching all that needs to burn, and He won't quit until it's all cleansed. God Himself is fire. I don't have to talk long or say anything concerning the instability that's in our nation today, whether it's our nation itself that is so unstable whether it's our families which our families are so unsettled and unstable whether it's our even our churches whatever it might be but we're living in a day when there is so much instability there is so much instability I was thinking of the family in the home and why there was so much or is so much rather instability in the home. I was reading Bruce Jenner's, some of his biography, and I began to look at this man that at one time back in the mid-70s when he was so popular and he won the decathlon and all the races, and all the gold that he did in the Olympics, I began to think about him and his life, and looking at Bruce Jenner, you see several things that really, to me, came to notice. First of all, his dad was an Army officer. His dad, he also won races. I don't think it was the Olympics, but. But you never hear much about Bruce Jenner's father. His name was William also. But then you hear about Esther, his mother, his mother's as I said name was Esther, by the way. His father died in the year of 2000. His mother is still living. She's 88 years old. But she's very domineering. The dad was somewhat out of the picture. And then comes along one marriage, and then another marriage, and then he marries Chris. She's a Kardashian. And the uh, mother is domineering, and Chris Kardashian is controlling. She began to rule his life, really. Now, she made him $450 million in the process of it. But here he is, a young man. He was dyslexic when he was in school. He dropped out or failed the third grade. He was always afraid to stand up before anyone. He was so so fearful that the teacher would call on him to say something or to read in class until it ruled his life. Even when he became the star that he became and was a, a TV announcer, he still hid behind that fear. And I thought to myself, there are so many young people today, there are so many boys, there are so many girls, that they're raised in the same kind of atmosphere that he was raised in, where you don't hear much from the dad. Now, if you study the Bible, you understand that God placed the father, the husband, as the ruler in the whole, And that takes a whole lot of talking and teaching to, understand, to explain what the ruler is. It's not someone that cracks the whip and the wife and the children are to jump. That's not what that means whatsoever. But because of what's happening, especially with the 1960s, with the feminist movement. It's relegated the man, the husband, to be a second citizen, whether it's in the home or on the job. And so there's a problem in the home. And I believe the problem in our society stems from the home and the problem in the home stems from fathers that will not stand up and be dads you know what you know the two things that's provided in the home and there are other things besides the two there is stability the father and this is god ordained and anytime we get away from god's method and god's rules and regulations we're going to be smarting. It's going to have an effect, a negative effect on our lives. But the two things that the Father provides, number one is stability in that home. And if the Father is not the Father that the scripture, that God's word, Proverbs, even in the old uh, 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 Moses is writing, And the New Testament, Paul's writing, there are laid out guidelines for the father in the home. But that's something that's forgotten today. Not only does the father provide stability, he provides security. So when we look at the scripture and we look at what God says about the family. We understand why the family is where it's at today. And then we understand why the nation is where it's at today. Or the church. Many of the problems in the church stem from problems that's brought about by the home. And so we see that. And God has the answer. You said that again. God has the answer, but our society today does not want to hear that. If I offered you four gifts today, if I said that you could have the original Mona Lisa, which runs about $780 million, you could have the Mona Lisa, or I would give you this morning a key to a brand new Lamborghini. which runs around $200,000. Or I'll give you a million dollars. Or number four, I'll give you a parachute. Now you gotta hear me out and understand those four gifts before you choose. You are in an airplane and you must jump out at 10,000 feet. Which one would you choose? Well, in our society today they would want the million dollars so bad they would argue with the pilot or the stewardess or whoever talked and said we're going to go down and they'd say that's just not true. We're not going to go down. Let me tell you something. This nation is going to sink unless she turns back to God. I my wife and I, we relax sometimes at home and I, I like the Wheel of Fortune. Now you may not like the Wheel of Fortune, but I enjoy the Wheel of Fortune. The only thing I don't like the, sometimes, I want to choose that everybody wins something. And so my wife gets on me all the time. She's just... But one of the things about the Wheel of Fortune, you can, you can get all this money 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 dollars, and you can have it. You, you, you're ready to cash in. But all of a sudden, that wheel line winds up on 10,000 dollars. And the host will say, "Do you want to take a chance at that 10,000 dollars?" Or bankrupt? Or do you want to keep your $5,000? Almost inevitably. They're going to choose that. And I'm thinking to myself, you're crazy. But that's where people are today. They've got $5,000 in their hand if they win the game. But they could also pick up $10,000 or be bankrupt. Well, that's where people are today. We never have enough. We grasp for that that we do not have. And there is that sense of always wanting what? More. We want more. <clears throat> and the reason America is staggering in debt is because we want more. And so, you know, you certainly, you're going to choose the parachute. If you're 10,000 feet up and you must jump out of the airplane, $10,000 is not going to, I mean, a million dollars, the Mona Lisa is not going to do you good anyway. And so when you offer the world the answer for their problem and say, take the parachute, they're wanting the million dollars. Let me have my fun. This is the way we need to go. These are the principles that we need to abide by. You know, and and I haven't even, forgive me. God gives in the first chapter of the book of Psalms a simple guideline for a stable life. If you want to live, in an unstable, and we do. If we live in an unstable society, unstable nation, families, churches, whatever, we live in this, these unstable conditions. And yet God says you can have all of this. You, you, can, you can enjoy. It's like Christi was saying as she received the offering. Seek you first the kingdom of heaven. And all of his righteousness, then all of these things, that don't mean you're going to have a Lamborghini. That's what he's talking about. She said it just right. It's the necessities of life. And that's all we need. But we think we need more. And we're scrambling and we're in debt and we can't pay our bills because we want more. We're never satisfied. We eat enough to keep us healthy, but then we want to eat more, and we get fat. Don't you get mad at me. We're always wanting more. But the thing to do is allow God, His Holy Spirit, the lifestyle of serving Him to satisfy us and be content. Isn't it wonderful to be content? We're not sitting here, I hope, thinking I would need to hurry up and hush because I'm ready to go here. I'm wanting to go here. I want to do this. I got this on my uh, little Brian came in this morning. I said, how's things going? What's up, Brian? He said, a lot. (laughs) No, I said, what you got going, Brian? A lot. You ask people today, what you got going? A lot. You know, we've got so much to do. So many things. We can just not just really sit down and enjoy the blessings that God has prepared for us. So if you want to be a stable person, read Psalms chapter one. Six verses. And in those six verses... It will tell you and I how to be content, how to be stable, how to be secure, how to be anchored in a world like we live today. Isn't that wonderful? One of the things that Jesus rejoiced about was the simplicity of the gospel. And we've made it so hard until we don't understand it. It's not hard. It's not complicated. We don't have to sit around on an hour TV program and go back and forth on who's right and who's wrong and discuss until when when you finish, you don't know nothing. I mean, it's amazing to me. Talk, people talk. And that's all they do is talk. Sometimes we need to listen. And the thing we need to listen to is God's word. That's what he says here in the beginning. He's listening to what he says. See that you're not... do not refuse to hear him who speaks. God's speaking, but people aren't listening. Don't refuse him. Because if he spoke back there, when the commandments were given on Mount Sinai and there was flames and fire and smoke and shaking, if he spoke back then and it meant something, well, he's speaking today. Let me tell you, there may not be smoke, there might not be fire, but there's power behind those words that he speaks. We'd better listen. I'm not going to listen to him. I'm not going to listen to that preacher. But I'm here to tell you that in this day and hour, doesn't matter how many agnostics say, I don't believe. You see, the power and the Spirit of God and the Word of God looks agnostics right in the face and say, You can doubt all you want to. It's not going to shake me. Doesn't matter how many atheists stand up and say, I'm not going to accept that because it's not true. One old preacher was out on the sidewalk and he'd get out every week and he'd preach the gospel and he'd preach the gospel. He'd preach the gospel. gospel. And every time he'd preach, this atheist would come out and jeer him and try to shout him down. Well, he was an ex-boxer, this minister was. He said, one day he said, come up here. So the guy thought he's going to get an audience and he thought he was going to be able to say something. So he proudly walked up on the little old platform the preacher had out and, and he stood there and the preacher said, you don't believe the word of God? He said, no, I don't. Not one word of it. All of a sudden the preacher reached over and got him by the nose just like this and with all of his might just twisted down on his nose. And the man was so stunned Because blood began to trickle down his mouth. Preacher opened his Bible to Proverbs and said, Surely the churning of butter, of milk bringeth forth butter, and the and the twisting of the nose bringeth forth blood. <laughs> it's true. Doesn't have matter how many agnostics, atheists, that say it's not true. It's true. And you say, Pastor, the church has been shaken in the last thirty and forty and fifty years. Has it? Because this one backslid. This preacher backslid. That preacher backslid. They've gone and done this. They've gone and done that. Doesn't move God. Doesn't change His word. No matter what you say, no matter what they do, no matter how many people will deny the faith, doesn't matter how many people will backslide on God and stop going to church, stop reading their Bible, stop praying, stop supporting the ministry, and they're out in the world. That doesn't change God one bit in the world. You see, God is not moved with any of this stuff. And the Bible says his kingdom is unshakable. Now, I believe that. If you take the major religions, let's just take Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, and then Christianity. Let's just take those four. Of the Mona Lisa's and the Lamborghinis and the million dollars and the parachute. Which one of those you're going to choose? I'll tell you which one I'm going to choose because it's the only one that the leader every died and rose again. It's the only one that has a message. Listen to this. It's, it's the only one that has a message with power behind it. It's the only one that teaches Love thy neighbor as thyself. It's the only one that teaches self-denial to our own selves. And many, many of a powerful leader has tried to eradicate the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, but the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ stands (laughs) safe, strong, and sure. He said, and guess what? Not only is this kingdom unshakable, but I can belong to it. That's what's so great about it. Every true believer can belong to this unshakable kingdom. If you don't think there are things that will try to shake you, then you haven't been living long. My wife and I have had the ability or the privilege, I me say this, the privilege to witness more to more people. I've had, It's been 14 years since I had cancer. But since she and I went through this, Lord, I don't, I don't want anybody to have to go through what we've gone through. Not with us and not with our son. I don't want anybody. I have never seen the like of testimonies. I was standing in Neil's room this week And one of the ladies came and said, would you come here? Would you come with me? I had no idea what she wanted. She took me back over into one of the offices where there were five women gathered. They said, you're a preacher, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. And they wanted to know about an issue. They wanted to know what the Bible said about this particular incident. And I got a chance to, to testify. And then I said, let's bow our heads. And there in that office, we began to pray. I began to pray. Not wait. I began to pray. And the power and presence and spirit of God visited that office. One of the ladies had been a thorn, believe me, out thorn, a thorn in our flesh. But she reached over and said, preacher, give me a high five. Boom! Let me tell you, God can take a thorn in the flesh and give you high fives. But I don't know when in all of our, she was saved at five, I was saved at nine. In all of our life, all of our marriage, that we've been able to witness like we've been able to witness in the last few years. The devil tries to shake you because he tries to shake your faith and he does not want you to be affected for the kingdom. He tries to remove the faith. He tries to instill doubt, unbelief. And whether it's sickness, whether it's your family, whether it's death, whether it's a backslidden brother or sister or whatever it might be, the devil tries to shake your faith in God to destroy your testimony. But if you'll stay true. We used to sing that song. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I I will not be moved. And that's the kind of faith. And that's the kind of trust. love that song earlier. Our trust in Jesus Christ. Our trust in him. And when we trust him, we're not moved. We're shaken as far as sometimes, but we're not moved from our faith. Well, I know he says we won't be shaken. We won't be moved. It's a powerful, powerful truth. And if you will, allow me one more time to read Eugene Peterson's translation of Hebrews chapter 12. So don't turn a deaf ear to these gracious words. I'm asking you today, And whether it comes from me or whether it comes from a Sunday school class or whether it comes from the Wednesday night teaching or whether it comes from someone standing, witnessing in a break room somewhere. Don't turn a deaf ear to the truth of God's Word. I'm not talking about man's words. I'm not talking about man's philosophy. That can be shaken. You see the things I've got here that can be shaken? Number one, temporal things. How many times have people put their trust in their bank account, in their automobile, in their house? Temporal things will pass away. Man's philosophy, his, his ideals, his gods. Man's got so many gods and well, boy, do they put... Oh, I was telling about a young man that had a a Mustang years ago in the church and he rebuilt that Mustang and he loved that Mustang and he shined that Mustang up and he was so proud of that Mustang and he caught on fire. I'm, I'm not against having Mustangs. I'm not against having Volkswagens. I'm not against you having a good car and enjoying that car or whatever. But I'll tell you, material things are going to pass away. Let me say this. God sometimes may take those material things away from you so your eyes will focus on the spiritual things. The things of eternal that are eternal. The Jewish dispensation was being shaken. I love this. Allow me to read this. Listen to this. The Jewish, read it with me. Dispensation was shaken, but the great realities enclosed in it remain. The forms of human society are shaken, but the principles that regulate it remain. Outward systems of religion are shaken, but the great truths of the church of Christ shall remain. The believer may be shaken by tragedy, yet the soul remains calm through the very grace of God. The whole system of nature may be shaken, but God's people stand calm true with a new creation in their own lives. And I cannot get away from the fact that someone here, and I know all of us could maybe somewhat fit into this category, but someone here that we're struggling because of some things that have happened in your life and you're saying, "I, I just... I don't know if I can make it or not. I'm here to tell you, you can make it. You can make it. If you not think you can make it, you talk to this man right here. Knowing what he's been through and knowing the miracles that God has formed in Wallace Yarborough's life. And to see him, I think the older he gets, the better looking he. to see what God has done in his life. And I could name over and over and over again people in this church. What God wants to do is give your testimony, reveal to you his power, reveal to you his truth.